Parenting is a full-time job, and providing effective support for today's teens can be challenging. The Parent Engage 360 podcast aims to provide connections and information from experts in the fields of chemical health, mental health, internet safety, and more. It's a comprehensive view on parenting, provided in a personal, convenient format. Tune in to today's episode of the Parent Engage 360 podcast series. Welcome to the Parent Engage 360 podcast. Summer is in full swing and many are spending more time outside. In today's podcast, we're going to discuss the timely topic of summer safety for youth and provide tips for parents and guardians. To guide us in this conversation, we are joined by Robin Chambers, Community Schools Specialist with Anoka-Hennepin Community Education, and Danielle Forsman, Police Officer with the Coon Rapids Police Department. Danielle and Robin, thank you so much for being here today to highlight some tips for parents for keeping their children safe during the summer months. Happy to be here. Thank you, Liz. Robin, as a Community Schools Specialist, can you tell us about your role in programming with Anoka-Hennepin Community Education and share any other information you feel would be important for listeners to know about you? Sure. Um, I mainly work with um, the elementary programming and the aquatics programming here for the district in community education. Um, I work with some building rentals, but um, generally co um, coordinate those things that are for the elementary ages. And Danielle, how about you? You're a police officer for the city of Coon Rapids. Can you share a little bit about yourself with the listeners and also a little bit about the Safe Kids program and uh, other programming offered to help parents keep their kids safe? Absolutely. So right now I am a patrol officer with the Coon Rapids Police Department, which involves responding to calls for service, people who call 911, traffic stops, normal stuff like that. But I also recently took over the chair position for Safe Kids, which is an organization that dedicates itself to educating children and parents on things like car seats, water safety, fire safety, safe at home, all sorts of things. And we try to put together events, clinics, and just educational material for both parents and kids. And on the Safe Kids Committee, it's uh, your police officer, as you mentioned, but can you tell us a little bit more of who makes up that committee? Because I know it's more of a partnership of community members as well. Yeah. So there are police officers, firefighters, nurses, people in education, and even members of the community. Really, anybody who is interested and passionate about these topics can join Safe Kids. And I also really appreciate, too, that it's an Anoka County initiative. So there's, um, it's not just one city that's doing it. It's a partnership of cities as well, which is a, a really unique and cool opportunity within our, our, our school district. Agreed. Because these issues um, for kid safety, like the car seats and water safety, are universal. Great. Thank you so much for to both of you for sharing a little bit about yourself and the work that you do. In both of your work and in your experiences in your roles and maybe other jobs that you've had, why do you think it is important to have a conversation today about bike and water safety and, and safety in general to keep our kids safe? I can start that. Um, I think that with the pandemic from the past few years, um, we have definitely seen um, students and the children not um, having those necessary water skills and abilities in the pool um, or in the water lake, et cetera. Um, their pools have been closed or very limited. Swimming lessons, um, you know, 
Anoka Hennepin Community Education has offered swimming lessons, but we are consistently full. So there's just a very big need in the community for swim lessons. And they have been um, limited just because of staffing and um, pool access. Um, so we're definitely seeing students needing to get in and practice those skills and being taught those important water safety skills. Um, I think that um, that's a huge opportunity. Being a police officer, the pandemic has been an interesting <laughs> force of nature. I think in my experience on the road, it has been obvious that people are doing more outside things since the pandemic. People are going to beaches, they are biking, they are out doing things that they didn't normally do. So we're seeing an increase in the amount of people who are swimming and biking and doing all these things. And like you said, Robin, they don't have the education on how to do it safely. So the number of drownings, the number of motor vehicle versus bicyclist accidents have increased substantially just because for the sheer number of people that are now out doing it because there was nothing else to do for so long. And then now as we ramp up and things are opening up, people still have these hobbies. Like over the pandemic, I personally joined like a biking group and picked up mountain biking and road biking. And it was a quite the learning curve <laughs> for me, at least I can imagine. So that's how I've seen it on my end is just there's so many more people and they're not educated, like you said. I think um, what both of you are talking about too is during the pandemic, right? We all had to pivot and shift and we knew we could do things outside. And I feel like at least for, for me, I tried to learn new things as you did, Danielle, too, to, to keep myself busy and active um, and, and not really thinking about the why or how I need to keep myself or those around me safe is really important. So thank you for that. Are there specific tips that parents should be reminding their children about when it comes to bike safety, such as any laws to follow, follow proper equipment, and maybe how the appropriate ways to use roadways and sidewalks? Absolutely. So I'm glad you asked because a lot of people don't understand that a bicycle is considered a motor vehicle when it comes to laws and statutes and rules. So being on the roadway, going with traffic, you have to stop at stop signs you have to stop at traffic lights people don't know this because you think you're on a bike you're more mobile but actually you do have to adhere to all the traffic laws and you can get a citation for running stop lights and running stop signs as well i mean i don't know anybody who would cite you for it but you could, <laughs> could. you could um and it's also just safety uh i just went to the um international police mountain biking association training and their statistics show that if you're biking and you act like you're driving a car, you are a hundred times safer because you are biking predictably. People know what you're doing. Uh, when you act like you're driving the car, people can understand your next movements and signaling. A lot of those accidents happen because one, we know that motor vehicle drivers don't look for motorcycles. They're not looking for pedal bikes either. And also you're smaller and less noticeable. So I don't think people understand that uh, you don't get to just go through the traffic light like a pedestrian. Also, the equipment is kind of similar as well. When you're biking at night, you do have to have lights on your, your bike, the red light to the rear and the white light to the front. That's not only a statue, but it's safety. You know, it's very hard to see someone in the, in the dark. Although 
a helmet is not mandatory for when on a bike, highly recommend it. I think it should be because an easy, someone taps you at 10 miles per hour and you smack your head in the wrong place at the wrong moment. It could cause serious injury. Um, I just learned something new about the lights on the front of my bike and the back of my bike and what color they should be. So all of us are going to get some new lights on our bikes today. Danielle, thank you for that. You're welcome. Mm -hmm. Um, And then back to the point about helmets. I also, uh, I think that they're really important or that's something that's important to me because I am a biker as well. And I, my kids just don't like wearing them or like you have to wear them. So I think it's just really important to remember that the safety piece of it, and sometimes it doesn't look as cute, but it's really important to protect your head. Mm-hmm. Yes. Mm-hmm. And kind of along that same lens, Danielle, I know recently the um, Safe Kids along with you and the Coon Rapids Police Department, along with many other people hosted a bike rodeo in the community. Can you tell our listeners more about that event and why it's important that community organizations do host safety events within the community? Yeah, absolutely. It was a wonderful event. It was our first one in, I think, like 10 or 15 years. It was just very interesting. Um, So the event was structured in a way that there was a series of nine stations. So as you came to the event, you started off with a registration table where we kind of told you what to expect. You moved on to the next station and we check your bike. A lot of people don't know that there are different sizes of bike and considering how tall your legs are is what what you need to take into account on when you pick a bike. Then we check tire pressure, all sorts of just mechanical stuff that you might not know. Then you move to the next station and we check your helmet, make sure it's fitted correctly. And a lot of time the kids listen to us because we're strangers. (laughs) So we'll get it on there and we'll get it on there correctly. And then they move on to like a series of obstacle courses that teach them just basic skills of biking. So one of them was starting, just starting from a standstill and making sure you can start in a straight line because a lot of kids, they're adorable, but they'll fall to the right or they'll fall (laughs) to the left. And those were, that's when injuries happen, not only just for falling, but going into traffic. So, and then you go to weaving and stopping and all these just kind of skills-based things. And the kids loved it because they're like, look what a cool thing I can do on my bike. And they're learning. So uh, one of my favorite stations is where we have uh, two lanes and we stand behind the children and we hold up a, a card that has a car on it. And they're supposed to look over their shoulder and maintain a straight line and say if they see the car or not. And they quickly learn that when, you know, they look left, they turn left. (laughs) And when they look right, they turn right. (laughs) And then at the end, they got a little certificate to go get a kid's meal from Raising Cane's. And it was a lot of fun. And the kids just thought it was a fun obstacle course. But we had a lot of parents on their way out going, oh, my gosh, I didn't know that. And they didn't know what to look for. And they didn't know how to hold their own kids accountable for safety. And we also went over turn signals, you know, how to to use your arm to show which way you're going to go and then also how to cross an intersection the safest way. I know the event was successful and I feel like parents walked away when they were leaving saying we just learned a lot of things that we didn't even know that we should be doing and teaching our kids as well. Robin from your lens I know you do a lot um, of different things in your role. Mm -hmm. Can you also talk about the importance of hosting community events such as that of things that you've maybe done? Sure. Um, I definitely think it's good to have events where people can either drop in or sign up. 
um, where they're exposed to different um, opportunities. Last month, I had the opportunity to go to Hamilton Elementary in Coon Rapids and do a water safety presentation. And it was an American Red Cross whale tales um, for some of the students before school. I had a conversation with the, um, the elementary programmer from that school site, and she had shared that there were several students talking about that they were maybe going to go to the apartment um, swimming pool when their parents might be not around. So we decided, we're like, okay, so how can we do this and how can we get to the kids um, where they were? So that was a great one because we were able to do it right at the school building um, before school started and really talk about those water safety pieces. Because so many people don't understand, um, you know, really kind of the basic rules that there should always be um, a parent or another adult that are watching the students or the children in the water. They didn't necessarily know how to put on a life jacket. So we talked about how to put a life jacket on and how there are different sizes to life jackets. We went over some of the like the boating laws so that um, in Minnesota, if you're on a boat and you're under the age of 10, you have to have a life jacket for each of those um, participants. But we need to have a, a life jacket for everybody on the boat. But then everyone that's under the age of 10 needs to have it on. And we talked about the proper sizing and it should actually fit because if you did fall off a boat and you were in a life jacket that was too big, that life jacket, it's not going to help you. So really just having those um, education pieces out there. We've done a teen water safety program before at Roosevelt um, Community Pool. And what was important about that one is that we had teens presented. Um, it wasn't just me, the, um, the adult in the room that was talking about it, but it was the teens talking to other teens about it and making, um, you know, it sound, um, I want to say cool, but that, that, that's going to age me too much right there, um, <laughs> right there um, with that. But just uh, the importance of, you know, making sure that we're not doing risky behavior, that we're not diving in lakes that we don't know the depth of, that we're always checking those pieces because there are always those situations, especially with teens, where they will do those, um, the, that risky behavior, where they will dive and that it can lead to serious consequences with that. I have a staff member I was talking to this morning. Um, she works at Roosevelt, but she also works at Bunker Beach. And she was just, just talking about how busy it is and how whether you're at a water park or a lake, an indoor pool, whatever water that you're at, there's different things to think about when you're at them. Um, and just making sure that you are, you know, trying to abide by the rules. And then um, if you are always working with a buddy and having an adult present, um, especially with the little kids. Robin, may I ask you a question about your water safety? Sure. So when you're doing your program, is it mostly geared towards kids or are there certain educational materials for parents as well? Um, there are educational um, pieces for parents, yes. Um, and then we've adapted, you know, so I have access to like working specifically with the elementary and then we developed that teen one um, after there was a, a Blaine resident that um, that drowned a few years ago. And um, part of me, you know, I, I like to have action. And I and I told one of the, the actually the school board members, I'm like, I'm really kind of tired of the thoughts and prayers and like, how can we get to these kids and share with that? So we have plenty of different kind of presentations and we could do something where, you know, it's a family water safety or just, it doesn't necessarily have to be family because there, you know, there are a lot of daycares I could benefit from. There's just a lot of different um, demographics that could benefit from that. So yes, I would love to chat with you further about that, Danielle. Yeah, absolutely. Cause the first thing that comes to mind is parents with the life jacket. They like, they have this 
inflated sense of the ability to save their child if they start drowning. Mm -hmm. And I feel like the last summer was pretty indicative of how parents end up dying trying to save their children. And mm -hmm. I think it would be interesting to show them that here, take your kid and try to swim across the deep end with them on your back. I think it would mm -hmm. be eye-opening for parents to be like, okay, well, you don't want your kid to wear a life jacket? Wear a life jacket yourself. So when mm -hmm. you go out to save them, you you have a flotation device. Yes. No, I completely agreed with that. And there's already been some drownings, I think, in the area or in the Twin Cities, um, Minnesota, had that have specifically been that, where the parent has drowned trying to rescue the child. Mm -hmm. Maybe it's not Minnesota because I, I do get a lot of na nationwide um, aquatics pieces so that could just be, be part of the u.s but there there are those instances and then summer starts and those things just tend to happen and they're completely preventable um with the right information agreed yes i think it's a a, a really th important thing to talk about that you know and when you're on land things can happen but when you're in the water things are more unpredictable even even added to that so having some additional skills or some resources of the life jacket or knowing like how deep the water is that you're going into even in a pool how deep the water is is it appropriate mm -hmm. to dive or is it not appropriate to dive are also really important things to be thinking about as you're going into any situation that involves water I uh, appreciate that you said that, Robin, when you're thinking about if you're going to the water park, what does that look like versus mm -hmm. if you're going to a lake and jumping off of a boat, um, what skills or what, what do you need to be able to be successful to do those things? Yeah. And one thing that we, we've noticed too, is that kids are fine when the water is warm, you know, you'll get, you know, they'll come to lessons. They're like, Oh, we're chilly. But if you fall off that boat in that lake, that lake is going to be very cold. So you need to be able to do skills, what, whatever the temperature is um with that even if you are just floating in a life jacket with it so that's that's important and then the hotel pools are are you know we as a family you know we we go out and we will go to those and it's amazing to me the amount of people that are diving in off the side doing flips running around the pool you know and as an aquatics professional i've always you know i try to i try to stay out of it until it's going to affect someone's safety but really looking at those rules that they're posted for a reason because um there's no one necessarily there that's going to be able to help you if something does happen speaking of it do either of you have any easy tips like that i could instill for my my children or anyone that's listening to the podcast around water safety. I know you had talked about life jacket. I was going to say life I just jacket. That does oh, go ahead, Daniel. Sorry, I was going to say life jacket, life jacket, life jacket, life <laughs> jacket. <laughs> and not those, not the ones that are, like, there's ones that just kind of, I think they even might be Coast Guard approved, but they kind of keep you just vertical in the water. So just being really careful about what you're actually using. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, with the advent of the pandemic too, there's been a lot of backyard pools that have been put in place and um, things can happen very quickly. Um, so just teaching the, the, the kids not to get in the pool unless there's an adult there. And then the adults have to understand that they need to designate like what is called like a water watcher. Because how many times do you get together where people might be enjoying a beverage and there's just a lot of things going around. Um, but just having, you know, one, two people, depending upon how many kids that are specifically watching the kids to make sure that the students are safe. 
Also, I'd like to throw in there, really inspect the flotation devices that you're using, like the blow up circles, the blow up anything. So a lot of times kids will be in like a tube is a pretty much a common one and then get flipped over mm -hmm. and then they can't get out because they get stuck for whatever reason. So really thinking about which accessories you bring into the pool with you. That's a really great point. And knowing what, what are what are the obstacles that could happen? And, and maybe even having that conversation with your child before they use the flotation device or before they use the tube. Mm -hmm. I also think on the life jacket too, aren't there like weight limits and checking the, the inside of it to what the appropriate weight is? Yes, there's usually like the infant child and there's like the 50 to 90 and then the 90 plus. Also the age and maturity of the child too. Like I have a six-year-old that I need one that like, has like six extra straps <laughs> otherwise he will wiggle his way out of <laughs> mm -hmm. i have the same thing yes i i hear what you're saying <laughs> yeah do either of you have a success story from your work uh that you could provide to our listeners of of why this is important um i guess each year um at every i've worked in aquatics for the last 20 years and um it's probably on average each year that i have one parent that will come to me and they're going to say that um their child's had a bad experience whether they slipped off the dock that there's just things that have happened and they're terrified of the the water and you know i'll get ones that are like the kid's 14 now you know so it's, it gets even harder as they get older with that and so really um, getting them into appropriate lesson, getting them with a carrying instructor and really building that trust of both the instructor and the water to give um, them a sense of security and a sense of understanding that you might've had your bad experience and we can honor that. But then going forward, we're gonna work on these skills so that we can stay ahead of that and that won't happen again. Or at least if it does, you have the skills to take care of yourself in the future. It's hard to say when you have a success story because, you know, sometimes it's hard to be like, well, my kids stopped at that intersection and didn't get hit because of what they learned. Um, I think it's nobody has come back and be like, oh, wow, we had like a near miss, which I think is kind of nice. Like it means we're not having these big events and they're not like, oh, thank goodness my kid was wearing his helmet when he got hit by the car. Right. <laughs> um, you know, it's. That's great. I, I feel like the success is when parents leave just full of gratitude and they're just like, I did not know that. And I can't wait to like car seats. They're like, I feel so much safer with my kid in there now. They learn so much. Or when car seats come in and they're the wrong way, the wrong, like, I'm like, oh my goodness, your child's been riding. Like, you know, try not to make the parent feel bad by any means. But um, and then they leave just with that sense of relief. I like, I would call that more the success story when the parents are just, they feel more equipped. I feel really fortunate to work for community education and also um, be a part of the Safe Kids committee and knowing that there are such great resources in our community that parents can go to from uh, car seat fittings with when you have a baby or an, a newborn or an infant all the way up to age nine or ho however long kids are supposed to be on onto their um, booster seat, right? And then also with community education, all of the additional programming and things that we offer as well to really support parents and to support youth. And then also the work that the police department does each and every day to keep our 
communities and children and families safe. I just feel so lucky to be able to work with such amazing people and to know that there are such great resources out there because sometimes as a parent, right, you're like, this is happening in my life and I have no idea how to solve it. I can maybe Google online, but to know that there's classes that people can take or resources that people can call is really important uh, for our listeners and for our parents that are, are, are part of our Noka Hennepin community and larger than that. Are there any tips or takeaways or resources or upcoming events that you guys would like to share or highlight as we start to wrap up our podcast today? Yeah, I have a several of them. Um, so first off, like I would, I would encourage parents to go to their local police department website. A lot of police departments host something that's called safety camp and it's usually like one or two days, um, sometimes even longer, depending on the city. That's really nice. It's all encompassing of like water, fire, basic first aid, 911. It really covers a lot of those things. And I don't have a date like for Coon Rapids yet, but we try to put them out yearly um, all through the summer. I know our big one was in July last or before COVID. I should say nobody did anything for the last two years. But um, a lot of times it's just calling your police department and asking when the next one is. And then also we have a program called Safe at Home, which is all about leaving your kid at home for the first time. It's terrifying for everybody, but there's becomes an age. And so this class would be all about teaching them basic things on how to stay safe at home while they're home alone. So parents can feel better and kids can feel better about being home. And then also the fire department is hosting an open house on October 1st in Coon Rapids. A lot of local fire departments do something like that where they go over basic fire safety stuff and you can see cool trucks. I know they're bigger than what the police department has, so go check it out. (laughs) Uh, And that's from 10 a.m. to noon in October. And then also I just strongly encourage parents to call because a lot of the things like the safe at home, we might not have something set up, but if we know that there's interest in the community, so we had five parents call the police department asking about a safe at home, it kind of encourages us to put one on. Like sometimes we don't know that there is interest in it or that we would be able to fill up a class. So please harass your police departments to, <laughs> to put these on because we, we, we do do them. We just want to know people want them. I think being on the safe kids committee too, it's really nice to know that it's also in the community, right? Like you're in Coon Rapids and Coon Rapids does things in Coon Rapids and anyone can attend. So even though I don't live in Coon Rapids, I could still sign up to attend the safety camp or go to the police department's open house. But it's also nice to know that um, our communities talk to each other and they also, other communities also offer the same thing. So maybe if you called the police department in Coon Rapids, they would be able to at least direct you to who to call in Blaine or who to call in a different city if you're not mm-hmm. able to attend that one that your city was putting on as well. Yes. And I also forgot the city of Anoka is going to be hosting a safety fair on the 28th, which I think if I was listening to my friend Austin correctly, it is going to have a lot of different booths that you can go around. So like safe kids is going to be there for our role with car seats, just to have a booth where people could stop by and ask questions about car seats and whatnot. And I think they're going to have several, like the police department will be there and the fire department will be there. And sometimes Alina is there just to talk about that kind of stuff. So it's not a, like a class you have to sign up for. You can just grab a bag and walk around. 
Robin, from your lens, I know Community Ed offers a lot of classes, and you, particularly in your program area, offer a lot of classes. Can you talk a little bit about maybe how people could check out some of the aquatics offering you have or some other the class programming that you do as well? Sure. Um, yes, we offer programs, um, aquatic programming year round um, at Roosevelt Community Pool in Blaine. And we start swimming lessons at age six months. And those are more um, water safety readiness classes, getting introduced to the water, um, getting some basic skills that we'll be building upon. Um, and then we do, we start our formal swimming lessons at age three. Um, so we have swimming lessons from three until um, you know, adulthood. Um, we did start a specific teen um, beginner in swimming lessons because we ha often have, you know, that 11 to 14 year olds that, you know, they want to do classes, but they don't want to be with the little kids. So we have some specific classes geared right towards them. And then we have adult classes as well. Um, so I would encourage you to look into um, swimming lessons at Roosevelt or at any other facility that's in the area that works for you and your family. Through Community Ed this summer too, we are also offering um, some home alone classes for that seven to 10 year old range. And then we do offer those at the elementary and middle school level throughout the school year. Um, so we try to offer them right so that kids can access them both in the summer, but both right at the building at um, that they attend for school. As we wrap up, I just want to say thank you so much to both of you. I, I have some takeaways of things that I will be doing um, for, my, for my kids and my family after today. But I think the biggest takeaway is just thinking about how we can keep our kids safe. And there are some specific things as adults we can do each day for all of the things our kids are doing, even if it's outside of water safety and bike safety and car seat safety, to just really encourage our kids to be thinking ahead of what they're doing and being prepared for whatever ever activity they're going into. And then also on that same lens is just both of you have such great experience and have resources in, in two areas, right? In our school district and also in our community so that people know that, that there is support out there. And if there is something you need, please pick up the phone and call or check out our community at web website or the uh, Coon Rapids Police Department's website, and someone will get back to you to give you support or direction to the next person to connect with to make sure that you feel supported and supporting your child. Are there any last things that either of you would like to add before we wrap up today? Just really encourage everybody to check out those events. I love hosting them and I love being at them. Uh, I work and live in Coon Rapids, so I love meeting my community members. <laughs> Our kids probably go to school together, so... <laughs> Uh, please look into it and, and get registered. And I guess mine would just be make sure that your kids know the buddy system and they know that they should be with an adult um, around any kind of water. Thank you so much for being here and I hope that you have a wonderful rest of your day. All right. Thank you, Liz. Thank you. Thank you for listening. This resource is produced as a partnership between the Anoka Hennepin Parent Engagement Program and Student Services Department. Be sure to check out additional episodes in the Parent Engage 360 podcast series. For more information or to share feedback, visit ahschools.us slash parentengage360.